In a society that showers attention on those in power, it is valuable to remember that those in the C-suite are not the only ones doing the remarkable everyday work that causes organizations to excel. Much of the excellence comes from the host of people who conscientiously get work done and constantly look for ways to do it better. In this episode, we're talking about extraordinary performers, why you need them, and how to keep them. Welcome to the 90th Percentile, an unconventional leadership podcast by Zanger Folkman. Each week, using research from over 1.5 million global assessments of leaders, we analyze different leadership traits, trends, and what it really takes for leaders to get to the 90th percentile. I'm Brianna O'Corin, and joining me today is my friend and leadership guru, Jack Sanger. So I went down the rabbit hole the other day with a delightful article from the 1973 issue of Harvard Business Review magazine. And it was titled, this is the reason why I read it, it was Why Employees Stay. And I was like, hmm, very intriguing. I wonder what they said back then, you know, given our current situation of all these people going. I was curious of what we could learn from the past. I'm sure you found some intriguing research. I'm, I'm curious to hear it. Well, in this study, it was done by Vincent Flowers and Charles Hughes. They looked at workforce stability, what motivates people to stay, and the healthy ways that organizations can encourage them. So they argued that there are two relevant factors within a company that keep people there, and that is job satisfaction. And the second is the company environment and the degree of comfort an individual feels within the environment. Then there are also two relevant factors outside of the company, which is an employee's perceived job opportunities outside of the organizations. And the other things like family ties, friendship, geography, community, the organization can't compete with those things. Right. You know, it seems that the factors that mattered back then are still very present today. We are just experiencing a more fluid market due to the ability to work from anywhere and how many people are shifting their own personal priorities and their jobs now. Yeah, that's true. More more competition. And while this article was full of little golden nuggets, I, I will be sure to share the link to it in our podcast notes. I want to share the conclusion because even though it was said almost like 50 years ago, I think... It's a big wake-up call to, to what we were facing today. It's like they predicted it. They said, quote, A new work ethic is emerging in this society. If organizations resist recognition of the change in values for working, stick with a single approach to people, retain the concept of the average employee, and continue to snap on golden handcuffs, then... The new generation may not even enter those organizations, but create its own or take over existing ones. And the next one is that present employees who are locked in and turned off may seek third-party intervention to guarantee their right to job satisfaction or their real freedom to leave. If management wants employees to stay for reasons that are right for the individual, the corporation, and the society, it must develop existentially managed organizations that truly accept and respect people with differing values. What are your thoughts, Jack? 
You know, I find it really fascinating that these two authors, uh, as you say, 50 years ago, yeah. predicted exactly what we're seeing happening now. Yes. Lots of people engaged in this new gig economy where people choose to be self-employed and the increasing unionization of workers in some industries and companies that had not anticipated ever becoming unionized. That's all happening today. A decade ago, two Stanford University Graduate School of Business professors wrote a book titled Hidden Value, How Great Companies Achieve Extraordinary Results with Ordinary People. The main thesis of the book was that some organizations created cultures in which all employees perform like stars rather than a mere handful of unusually talented people. Professors O'Reilly and Pfeffer presented compelling evidence that some organizations were able to extract remarkable performance from their employees, in contrast to others in the same industry who were recruiting from the same pool and paying the same or often more in compensation, but who showed far more modest results. I love this idea of, of extracting remarkable performance because it doesn't just benefit the organization it does wonders for the individual it feels it feels good to feel like you are the best at something the fact is that individual contributors are a vital key to successful organizations and organizations right now are losing them at a very alarming rate i think many people are taken aback when they learn that some of the most influential people in an organization have no one reporting to them individual contributors are valuable they make huge contributions. They influence countless people around them, and they are a source of new product ideas and new marketing strategies. Yes, contribution in an organization often has little correlation to title or position. We know that you need these extraordinary performers, and we want to help you keep them. Based on some research we've gathered, here are the ways to exemplify their critical roles. Number one, don't shower all the attention on the more visible leaders. We fully subscribe to what O'Reilly and Pfeffer concluded about how those organizations are able to create a culture that brings out the best in people. We applaud the focus on the frontline workers and not showering all the attention on the more visible leaders. You know, there are two forces at work, however, and while we think that while organization culture is one strong force, there is also something that comes from within people that leads them to produce at such high levels. We're all aware of the common situation of 80% of the revenue coming from 20% of the sales force. Yet all the salespeople exist in the same culture. Some grow more than others in the culture and produce remarkably higher results. Next is to spread development more broadly. At Zanger Folkman, we subscribe to the idea of providing development for everyone in the organization. Why? Because it pays off. Some of these people will evolve into future managers, and if they don't, the effort still pays off in their higher productivity and commitment 
to the organization, their job satisfaction. Many organizations spend huge sums of money on development on the so-called hypos or high potential people whom they believe will grow into future executives. And no one would dispute that this is a group that needs to be carefully nurtured and monitored. Yeah, we think it is a mistake, however, to ignore other large groups of highly valuable people who are the extraordinary doers of the organization. The third thing we found was remember to focus on people's strengths. As with managers who are in formal leadership roles, extraordinary individual contributors are differentiated by the existence of a few profound strengths, not the absence of weakness. They too should implement their development efforts using the same approach of building on their strengths rather than only fixing weaknesses. You know, I worked for 11 years in the pharmaceutical industry. In our research team, we had some terrific leaders and some wonderful individual contributors. One person who stood out was not at all interested in becoming a manager, but he had an amazing technical grasp of what the organization was doing. People from many of the teams would seek him out to get his ideas about a better approach to a technical problem. That's awesome. The fourth thing we found was reflect on keeping, you know, reflect on who keeps your business running and make them happy. I was in a meeting a few years ago, at which Michael Eisner, then the president of Disney Corporation, was talking about the key levers of success for Disney. One of his comments noted that it was the animators who, may, who were the most critical group in the organization, more so than many of the VPs. Without them, the organization's future would be in serious jeopardy. Keeping them committed and productive was one of Eisner's key roles. Uh, and that is why it is one of the most magical places on earth today. <laughs> We think it's wise for every organization to pause and reflect on who truly causes the organization to excel. Great organizations should provide appropriate levels of development for the people who may appear quite ordinary to some, but who in reality are the individuals who will allow the organization to truly succeed. The 90th Percentile on Unconventional Leadership Podcast was written and recorded by Brianna Corin and Jack Zanger and produced by Zanger Folkman. If you're interested in learning more about Zanger Folkman's award-winning 360-degree assessments, leadership, and coaching offerings, or would like to attend our monthly leadership webinar series hosted by Jack Zanger and Joe Folkman, visit our website at zangerfolkman.com. If you like our podcast, please subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or Stitcher, or wherever you listen to podcasts, and be sure to leave us a nice review. All resources and links to the research referenced in this episode can be found in the episode details or on our podcast page on sangerfolkman.com. <laughs>